Hey there, folks. Welcome to another episode of Eddie and his Amazing Friends Hero Cast. Joined this week by our guest from last week. It is Simon at SGC Speaks on Twitter. How are we doing, Simon? Not too bad overall. And I'm always I'm always excited to come talk about something DC, especially something that a lot of people consider to be pretty good from DC. So that's kind of rare these days. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh today is the Batman. So excited to talk about that. There was actually um, which, by the way, you can follow myself at EC85 or EC underscore Hero on Twitter or EC HeroCast at EC85 on Instagram. Um, yeah, there was some news about this recently that um, people were wondering when is the Batman 2 happening. And the news most recent... Well, first off, there was news that it was canceled, which James Gunn said is not the case. So that's good. And then the latest is um, the possible villains of Hush slash Scarecrow, maybe. I've even heard um, Clayface thrown in there, although I'm not sure how you would do that in a realistic Batman movie unless he was more of, I don't know, like a Lon Chaney kind of master of disguise. I don't know. I don't think that would be that good, but... Uh, and then, of course, uh, Dick Grayson also rumored. So these are all the rumors. Um, I think Hush would be an interesting villain. He would fit in well with this. He would, but he would also run the risk of uh, being a little too familiar, if you ask me. That rumor about Scarecrow, I can definitely see that working. Especially since... We know for a fact what one of Batman's fears are, as it, as explained and explored in this film. So seeing that and seeing the fears of maybe other people delving in a little bit more into, let's say, Commissioner Gordon or another character who from the Batman mythos that might be introduced. Yeah, uh, you're not too keen on Clayface, I take it. <laughs> well, I'm I'm looking it up right now. There have been a few versions of Clayface. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure. I think the first one is just a guy in like a mask or something. Yeah, I don't... I think he... I I said during the uh, review of Suicide Squad, the first one, that he should have been the villain. I just Enchantress didn't work for me. But uh, I think he's a villain that if James Gunn ever does a Batman, he could have a lot of fun with. Because much like with Spider-Man last week, where there's two Spider-Man, there's the Avengers Spider-Man, and then the Neighborhood Spider-Man, there's really two Batman film universes where we've got Dark Knight, or Robert Pattinson, where everything is probable, just highly... In, well, sorry, I should say everything is possible, but highly improbable. And then you've got the Matt Damon Batman... Or, sorry, not Matt Ben Affleck, his, his friend. Uh, ben Affleck Batman, um, and I would assume whoever James Gunn picks, where they are in the universe of... Yeah, not possible. So Clayface usually is portrayed as a villain who is not scientifically possible, or you know, like a or Mister Freeze or Poison Ivy. They they can't exist in real life. So 
um, you know. Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at a picture of him now. He's like a gangster with green skin. I'm not I'm not even really sure what the point of that would be. Yeah, only like I said, only way is if because they're this is you know clearly the big difference with this and then the Dark Knight trilogy is it was heavy more heavy on the detective side. So you could do you know a serial killer who disguises his face as other people. I don't know. That's not how I... I love Clavey. That's not how I would envision him, but... I... Yeah, I'm pretty sure if you do that, you're basically just, what, copying... Who's the guy from Spider-Man? The Chameleon? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I those, mean, it's similar, so... Yeah, those two rose galleries are similar enough. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, this movie came out uh, March 4th, 2022... I can tell you what I was up to at that time. I had not my not the worst date I've ever been on, but one of the worst first dates I've been on. It was very strange, so Yikes, what happened? Well, we rescheduled. She rescheduled, which is fine, okay. Stuff comes up. But she picked the date and time. So keep that in mind. So we picked the date and time, we go to this outdoor mall. And it was going to be like a lunch date, so um, it was there around noon, or one, doesn't matter, we'll say noon. I get there at noon, I'm waiting, it's 12.10, 12.15, it's a little chilly out, and I'm outside this restaurant, and I just messaged her, I'm like, uh, I'm going to go to the, there's like a Starbucks inside of a Barnes & Noble, I'm like, I'm going to go to the Barnes & Noble, it's cold out, so if, you, if you're going to come, then, I, you know that's where I'll be. So she finally showed up. We had a coffee date instead of lunch date. And she's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I, I just came. I had to, I was singing it for the, for my church choir. I just came from church, but I had to go home and change first. And I'm thinking, but you picked the time. Like, why did you pick? I don't know that, that annoyed me, but it's, it's like, just say one thirty if you got to do that. But she spent the entire date, she's, I forget where she was initially from, but then she moved to New York, didn't like it, too too crowded. Then she moved to Indianapolis, and then here in Columbus. And she spent the whole date talking about how great Indianapolis was, and how she can't wait to move back, and how boring Columbus is. And I'm just thinking, like, they're not really that different of cities. And I've been to Indianapolis. Indianapolis is nice, but it's... Like it's really not that different than Columbus. I mean, it—they're both Midwest cities. They're right next to each other. One has the Colts. One has the highest state. One has a hockey team. One has a basketball team. I mean, it's, and is the is the weather any different? No, not really. And I mean, they both have zoos. Um, they both have you know nice walkable downtown i just they're not that different so and what was really funny is i started asking her and she'd lived here a year at this point and i started asking her about like little stuff that she does and she's like oh no i haven't done that no i haven't done that and it got to the point where she's like i've never even been downtown columbus it's like you've lived here a year you've never even gone downtown it's like no wonder you think it's boring i'd think any place was boring if i just stayed in my house all the time i could go to 
Hawaii, stay in my hotel room the whole time, be like, well, that was a terrible trip. I didn't, there was nothing to do. It's like, you only have yourself to blame. So I'm like, <laughs> have you done this? Have you been to the zoo? Have you been, you know, downtown? There's this restaurants. And like, I haven't even been downtown. Like, you, okay, if you, you could prefer Indianapolis, that's fine. But it's not even really fair to judge when you haven't even done anything. Like, any city's going to be boring. So I just couldn't wait for that date to be over. And then I, uh, that was, uh, that was a rough one. <laughs> I can, sounds like it, man. Sorry that happened. No, it's okay. We're, uh, what was this? This is March, so we're, um, what, two months away from, uh, uh, first date with current fiance, so that'll be in a few episodes from now. Oh! <laughs> well, well, it all worked out, then. Yeah, it all worked out. It's just, uh, we're built, we're leading up to it, so. But, uh, yeah, anything around March of 2022 interesting? March of 2022. Or February, uh, not, not a stickler. Not, not really, from what I can recall. It was my second it was my second year as a full-time employee at my job where I currently work as a, as a content specialist doing pictures and video and the likes. Uh, nothing immediately comes to mind for around this time period. Uh, I have a little bit of, I have a weird history with the movie, um, but other than that, not, not nothing I can really re- recall off the top of my head. Well, uh, before we get to history with the movie, the we got our, a new number one song. I don't even know if I've heard, I, I listened to it, it didn't sound familiar, and it wasn't my kind of music, but We Don't Talk About Bruno by Carolina Gayton was the number one song. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that song from Encanto. Yeah, well, apparently we can't talk about it, so. Uh, <laughs> champions, ooh, interesting list this week. Our WWE champion is uh, Redacted, a.k.a. Brock Lesnar. Universal champion, still Roman Reigns. And that's not going to change for, for too much longer, folks. Yeah, well, we'll see, hopefully. So. Oh, I did not write down NXT champion. I'll grab that in a second. Uh, Raw Women's Champion, Becky Lynch. SmackDown Women's Champion, Charlotte Flair. NXT Women, Mandy Rose. And uh, AEW Champion, Hangman Page. AEW Women, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. And the IWGP Champion is now the free agent, Kazuchika Okada. So, yeah. Let me grab the uh, NXT Champion while I rattle off these numbers. Budget two hundred million, box office seven hundred seventy-two point two. I wrote billion. It is million. That would be uh, obliterate all the box office numbers. Uh, so yeah, that puts it at twenty-eight on the list at five hundred seventy-two point two million, five ninety-five point eight with the uh, inflation there. Inflation's getting smaller, so I'm glad I don't have to do that anymore. It is below Guardians of the Galaxy, the original, and right above the aforementioned Suicide Squad. So, pretty good haul. Yeah, and just to give you a little bit more in-depth with it, this is honestly the the most recent... Uh, <laughs> that's the best way to put it. Not only the most recent success from DC, but the most recent success that 
probably exceeded expectations. Yeah, it, it, yeah, that's true. DC has not made money since this movie, I don't think. Black Black Adam made some, but not enough. It just to just to get into that, just very small. And I think Aquaman made enough to just barely beat out Black Adam. That, that seems like this has just been the, this has been the last big money maker, at least for the DC portion of things. By the way, NXT champ was Braun Breaker for uh, five Ooh. more days. <laughs> <laughs> So, there you go. All right. Uh, people liked it. Critics and fans alike. Critics 85%. Fans fit. Sorry. Critics 85%. Fans 87%. Very close. So. Not bad. Not bad. Um, I guess there's the cast. Um. I would say we could start off with, um, let us start with Colin Farrell as Penguin. I legitimately did not recognize that man when he was playing that role. Nope. It was only when I looked it up online, I was like, who, what, how did they do that? Shout out to to the makeup department. The Batman was snubbed. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I thought he was great. I thought they, I, mean, I think they're actually doing a, a spinoff show for him on uh, on HBO or Max, I guess. So that might yep, be interesting. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good portrayal of the Penguin in that, he, you know, with, with Danny DeVito was the only other portrayal we saw. He was cartoonish. But also, he did look kind of like how I would expect the Penguin to look. With this, you can't go as cartoonish. He's just a guy that's kind of ugly and has a hooked nose. So, uh, it worked for me. Uh, But yeah, I I bought him as this role, for sure. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) Some people had a problem with him being so tall, but that really is... Like I said, that's really just a relatively minor thing. And the fact that I didn't even recognize the actor who played this role really speaks to his level of performance. And yeah, he for what he for his parts in this movie, he did a really, really good job. Here's a guy who redeemed himself in my eyes. He was absolute death when he was on screen during any any of the Transformers movies. Uh, John Turturro as Carmine Falcone, much better here. Um, I just any any scene of him on Transformers, it's like just scoop out my eyeballs with an ice cream scooper. I hated it, but some redemption, some redemption. This is kind of his uh, uncut gems, Adam Sandler role, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'd say I would definitely say so. I recognized him in the movie, but I didn't realize that he was going to play such a big part when I saw him. It was like, okay, maybe Falcon. I'm thinking they're just going to get Maroney out of prison and things like that because they're talking about the Falcons, Maronis, and all that. Yeah, another really good performance. There is subtlety there. 
we we stepped away from his boisterous, loud, oh my God, these things are happening, acting from the Transformers movies. And and his performance here is really, really nice. Yep, yep. I mean, I know he's a great actor. He's really good in No Brother, Where Art Thou, which is, I think, my first exposure to him. Oh, no, that was... uh... No, that's not true. It was Big Lebowski, but he was much smaller in that role. But um, with with this, it was... I mean, Falcone's been in The Dark Knight, but, like, we don't... He's never really been a featured villain. He's always just kind of referenced, or he's just there as, like, a plot to further the plot. Like, in Dark Knight, he was really just, like... You know, he was... He was a means to an end as far as... Um, Let's see, he was the villain in the first one, and he was he was more because he got, I'm trying to even remember what happened. Um, he was the one, he was in that restaurant, and, no, he was in the, was it him? Okay, never mind. I, I remember he was in one of them, and then he was never really like a featured villain. He was just like a side villain. But it was nice yeah. as like a, a main villain, and... The fact that, you know, there were really three villains in the movie, but for Falcone to be kind of... I mean, he wasn't the main villain, but he kind of was because he was the one driving the whole plot, like trying to figure out who's the rat. And uh, Riddler was really just like kind of trying to expose everything that was going on with Falcone. So really he was the top guy in the movie. So a different uh, change of pace. We've got uh, Jeffrey Wright as James Gordon. Uh, You you, you go first. (laughs) Well, I was going to say there's never, to my recollection, there's never been a bad Alfred, which uh, by the way, um, Shout out to uh, Andy Circus, but uh, there's also, in my opinion, never been a bad James Gordon. I think um, I thought he did really well. He he was so he, you know, Jeffrey Wright's got the. I I remember he made it real big with. Um, uh, what was it, Westworld, which was a really good show before it got super weird and confusing. Uh, he has like a, uh, what's the word, like a understated, that's not the right word. He has like a, a very calming presence, I guess is the right word. And it's like, I I kind of buy him as like this detective, but also not a... He he's not like uh, and he wasn't in this movie but he's in the animated thing he's he's complete opposite of like a Harvey Bullock for instance and I kind of liked that uh, James Gordon was really the only guy that trusted Batman and everything and it got to the point where like I've seen criticisms where it's like Batman was actually the worst part of this movie not that he was bad but it's like it was kind of silly him walking around these crime scenes while you have police doing legit work and I get it, but at the same time, I don't know. That's 
it's a Batman movie. Of course he's going to be a dread dressed as a bat. So, but yeah, he's a good James Gordon. I liked him. Clearly, clearly people wanted him <laughs> to dress up as man versus Batman. But uh, <laughs> as far as Jeffrey Wright goes, I would say he is tied with Gary Oldman as far as depictions of Commissioner Gordon in live action. I'm going to give. He's got a few. Hopefully, he's got a few more movies to go, and I, I can't wait to see how he uh, is portraying. How deep we can get into his backstory in the future installments of this Reeves verse with the Penguin TV show and the subsequent sequels to the Batman Part Two. Because I'm 90 percent sure there's going to be a Batman Part Three. But his performance in this movie was outstanding. He did an excellent job. I would, uh, yeah, I would say there'll be a part three based on the pre-end credits. I don't know, <laughs> but um, anyway, moving on up, big cast. Uh, Paul Dano as the Riddler. Uh, I mean, for me, this guy really stole the show. Um, I thought he was great. As a, um, I mean, look, we, we, if, if you played, um, what was it? Gotham or, um, Arkham city, then you easily drew the comparison of Riddler to the jigsaw killer. And really that's the only way to modernize Riddler is some kind of Zodiac killer type deal. And that's really what they, I mean, that's what they had to do. So he can't do anything like the Jim Carrey Riddler, that's too goofy. So you had to do this, and it worked out perfectly. I um, I loved his the fact that he had raised a, an, an arm. I love that he was a non-threatening person, but then he had also raised this army on, like, the dark web and <laughs> his, his little... Uh, you know, attempted insurrection of Gotham City. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought he was great. And then, of course, his his big scene in the, the jail cell where he thought that um, Batman would join him and then that didn't happen and he throws a tantrum. <laughs> yeah. This movie is chock, is chock full of amazing performances by some fantastic actors. And like you just said, Paul Dano, really good as the Riddler. The way he portrayed this fringe anger that he possessed, he would be talk, he would be shouting, and he would, in, in in ways that you don't typically hear people shouting. It was unique. He brought a lot of he brought a lot of depth to the character, and how and how he talked, how he moved. It was a really good performance. And there's some cleverness to the plan that he lays out as as the Riddler in this movie, and I can't wait to get to it because it's really interesting the different layers he himself puts into the movie. Mm-hmm. And then we have, uh, she's come a long way since um, X-Men First Class, Zoe Kravitz returning to the podcast as Selena Kyle, never officially called Catwoman. Um, I really liked her portrayal in this, in that she is a, she likes cats, she's a cat burglar, but she never, much like 
all the iterations of Catwoman, except uh, the movie, which we won't get into, the Catwoman movie, which we don't need to get into, because that was a mess. <laughs> but other than that, uh, every portrayal of Catwoman, this is a, I mean, I won't say it's the best, but I would say it's it's still a really good one in that Cat, or Selena Kyle, rather, has always try she's a good person but she gets screwed over a lot so she's tired of being screwed over a lot so she's gonna you know kind of take what's hers even if it means bending the rules and that's what this character did a lot of i mean she you know she worked at a nightclub where there was you know mafia activity and drug dealing and um it was uh, implied that she might be a prostitute or has done that. So, uh, but yeah, a, a really a great portrayal of it. And, you know, she um, she kind of was in love with Bruce Wayne, or sorry, Batman, but ultimately not especially. It was never going to work out, unlike where it did in uh, Dark Knight Rises, where they went to Paris together or whatever. But, yeah. Yeah, agreed. Another really good performance. Anne Hathaway in The Dark Knight Rises. That movie doesn't really get a lot of credit for some of the good things that are in it. It's considered by many people to be kind of un- to be the worst of that trilogy. Well, whether you agree or not, I would say her performance as Catwoman was also pretty good. But I feel like that she she's really not as de- in depth of a character in that movie as Selena Kyle is in this one, with the dynamics between Fal- Falcone, with the with, with, with like you said, kind of taking that year one Batman from Frank Miller inspiration, with her uh, knowing all these knowing the dancer a girl and trying to help rescue her, being a cat burglar who loves cats and be. And having more uh, fighting capability than the person Batman typically uh, runs into, although he could have clearly handled himself in the scene, but definitely a bit more adept than everybody than everybody with the exception of Batman. So I appreciate her portrayal a lot in the film. Yeah, it's not, not much else needs to be said about her. It, there, I actually feel like their chemistry was a little bit more uh, stronger than Bale and. Hathaways, but yeah, overall, it's a really good performance, a strong performance. Well, on to the main event. It's turned a lot of heads when he was cast, because it's like, oh, the Twilight guy? It's Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne slash Batman. I will say right off the bat, no pun intended, I I prefer... Christian Bale better only because I preferred that version of Bruce Wayne better where it's like in reality he's clearly or it's not reality in 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 when he's Bruce Wayne he's clearly living it up and you know doing what you'd expect a billionaire in his 30s to be like and then when he's not that he's Batman and he's super serious with this portrayal, he was not. And I preferred the other way, but I also wouldn't want... I don't want 
to do the same thing over and over again. So I'm glad they didn't. Much like we did last week with the three Spider-Man. I don't want to see, for instance, I don't I don't need to see Tom Holland have a wrestling match. I already saw, uh, you know, Tobey Maguire have one with Randy Savage. And the same way, I didn't need to see Andrew Garfield have a wrestling match. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I don't need to see, we all know how Batman became Batman. We all know what he's like. So just change it up. And that's what they did. And in this one, uh, he's more of like a billionaire recluse. You know, he doesn't show his face anywhere. He, um, in doing some research, meaning reading Wikipedia, they wanted him to treat being Batman like a drug addict where he's just obsessed with it and he doesn't sleep a lot. And uh, since those were the directions, again, I prefer the other Bruce Wayne better, but I get it. You don't want to do the same thing because Dark Knight is, you know, it didn't come out that It was only the last one was what, uh, 10 years prior. So it's not, I mean, it's a long time, but not really. So, um, yeah, I'm glad they didn't do the same thing. So for what he was asked to do, I thought he did really well. Okay. So let's start at the beginning. (laughs) My sister, my sister is a big twilight series fan. I am not. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I didn't initially recognize him from the Harry Potter series, but he is in fact the character who plays. He he portrays Cedric Diggory in the Goblet of Fire. It was a pretty good performance, but everybody knew him for Twilight, and that's specifically where I recognized him from. And I had a big disdain for that series, so I had a big disdain for him at the time. I don't. I'm someone who typically doesn't re- react strongly to different castings. I usually have a neutral stance and I just allow whatever the movie portrays to be how I judge them. Whether it's Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, even Lex Luthor. When Jesse Eisenberg was cast as Lex Luthor, I didn't say anything. I just waited for the movie to come out. Trailer, he didn't do anything too egregious. Then I saw the movie and I recognized how bad of a performance it was. I saw the teaser for the Batman and I'm like, okay, he looks good in the suit. And then I saw a few other clips of his acting and other works, and I'm like, okay, so clearly he has some acting chops. But that still doesn't necessarily mean he's right for the Batman. And then I saw the trailer. And I knew in my gut that this was going to be a great performance. And I'm going to just get this out of the way and say it right now. This is probably my favorite portrayal of Batman in all of live action. Wow. I got a poster of this man, the, the Batman, up on my wall in my office while I'm recording. I don't, I don't like his suit the best, but I appreciate what it is for how they come across it, how he talks, how methodical he is, for lack of a better term. He, he moves with purpose. He speaks with purpose. He doesn't waste a lot of time. He doesn't, he doesn't waste a lot of words. Everything about this performance is fantastic. And there are criticisms to make about him with Bruce Wayne being a billionaire recluse. But for for the purposes of the parallels they set up in this movie between Bruce Wayne, Carmine Falcone, and the Riddler, I think it works well. Because there's, there's an element to all three of these characters who are the focus of the film that they all share. And I'll get into that in depth once we get to 
I think where the second act of the movie ends. But yeah, this is a fantastic performance, one of the best, and I look. If it wasn't for the fact that Superman Legacy was going to come out in the same year, this would be my most anticipated project for next year, 2025. Mm. Is it 2025 for sure? Or it's rumored, I, I, I guess. I would hope so. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I will say, even though I preferred the other version of Bruce Wayne, I like this version of... Um, of the Waynes better, the Waynes as a whole, uh, which I'll, I'll get to. Um, really quick before we move on, and we finally got a Batman who doesn't kill. That, that's true. Well, I, I think Val Kumer didn't, but aren't they technically still Keaton's version of the character? Oh, I, no, Keaton uh, definitely killed people. <laughs> but, well, that's what I'm saying. That, that universe is a little weird. Yeah, he. Uh, I remember he was facing uh, one of Penguin's henchmen and just like handed him a bomb and like shot or something, and uh, it just blew Smiled him up. and tossed him down. A, a yeah, he out. like threw him down a hole and then dropped a bomb in there. <laughs> well, he's dead. So, uh, real quick, uh, my history with the movie, by the way, uh, only seen it the one time, and it was in the theater, so I was real excited for it and. Uh, this movie kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, I wasn't expecting another, you know, deep dive into a Batman trilogy, but I was happy to have it. Getting into a little bit more in depth with the movie, I was following the DC Cinematic Universe quite strongly initially because I was hoping that it was going to blossom into something that can be on par or even surpass the MCU. And so once they announced their slate, the Batman was originally supposed to be a project starring Ben Affleck that he would star in and direct. And that didn't happen because of the fallout with Justice League, the changes in Warner Brothers and DC movies. And so, as you as you mentioned earlier, Matt Reeves took the project, cast, cast Robert Pattinson, and I've already gave the spiel about Robert Pattinson and my feelings with that leading up to the trailers. The first time I watched this movie, it was at an old my neighborhood news uh, my neighborhood movie theater, which has since closed. Uh, I, wa- I initially walked out of the first viewing, not because the movie was bad, but because the people in my the people I was watching the movie with were so goddamn loud. <laughs> so I got a refund. I booked a ticket for Tuesday because Tuesday in the morning specifically because no one shows up at 11 a.m. to watch movies except this guy. So I went to go see it then, a lot more quiet, and I enjoyed myself, and I've watched this movie multiple times since, and one of these days I'm going to fire up the Arkham Knight game so I can play as this version of Batman. So, But yeah, I've only seen it the one time in theaters, a few times, maybe two or three times on HBO Max since. Well, let us dive into the uh, the plot so we open with the Gotham City mayor watching TV when the Riddler comes out of the shadows and bludgeons him to death with a uh, carpet installer. I guess it was called a tucker, but whatever. So after a monologue from Batman, he saves a man in the subway from being mugged by a gang of juggalos. 
And later on, Batman helps, which was a great intro to Batman, by the way, I thought. So later on, Batman helps Gotham PD with the murder investigation. And I guess, again, this would be my only criticism. It is, I don't know how, but it, it is a little strange seeing all these police doing investigative work and Batman's just walking around. I, I get that. I don't know. Maybe they could shoot it differently next time. I don't know. It 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 felt like he's the only guy at a costume party dressed up. I, I don't know. I actually I actually think they did that on purpose and leaned into that element because I don't really recall off the top of my head if the Keaton movies and the subsequent films with the other actors Kilmer, Val Kilmer and Clooney did this, but I know for a fact in The Dark Knight. There are those scenes where the Batman is working with Gordon and a couple of the people he has under his specific unit. The interaction is very uh, scarce. Uh, it's, it, he's, it's barely a thing. We The most we see of the interaction with them is, like you said, at the scene where the Joker's about to, is, is warning people he's going to kill Harvey Dent. And then in the interrogation when Harvey Dent and Rachel go missing. Here, this actually provided a specific aspect, like you said, that we don't really typically see. Him in an active crime scene, it really shows how much more methodical and detail-oriented he is in comparison to some of the other police officers and uh, crime scene investigators who are doing a good job, but he does a great job. He notices the little details. The thumb, thumb of the mayor was cut off while he was alive, there's blood splatter in a different spot than where the actual murder and torture took place. All these different things, figuring out the riddle left by the Riddler, all, all really setting the tone for why he's even people respect him for what he's doing, even though even if on a smaller degree, even if they won't ever say it out loud. Yeah, that was the next note, is uh, some of the police aren't crazy about working with a mass vigilante, but Gordon's okay with it. So Bruce then spends the night examining the evidence, and Riddler... Uh, wait, what, hold on. Oh, and the riddle that uh, Riddler... Uh, I don't know. It was, it, was a it was like a... It was like a puzzle or decode some of the yeah, thing. cipher, and then Al he gave it to Al Alfred and uh, like here you go. So Bruce discovers the thumb drive planted in the mayor's car, where it shows photos of the mayor with girls at the Iceberg Lounge, a nightclub run by the Penguins. So Batman pays that a visit, and Penguin does seem to be a dead end. We think. But we also do meet Selina Kyle in this scene. Batman follows her, sees her roommate, who also works at the Iceberg Lounge. And he sees that Selina's a cat burglar. And she mentions, well, he does talk to her. And she mentions there's a club within the club where the mobsters all hang out. So, that, that Penguin was not a dead end. He just didn't pry hard enough. <laughs> So they got back to her apartment, and they see the roommate, Annika, is gone. The place is ransacked. On the TV, we see Riddler has another victim. It's the police 
I don't know. I wrote commissioner, but I don't, maybe he wasn't. I don't know. Whoever it is. No, he was. A, yeah, you're right. He's a commissioner. Yeah. Well, till James Gordon fills the the job. So it is Pete. <laughs> Not so macho savage. He is. <laughs> he's hooked up to some jigsaw trap with rats. So. I wish this this was another complaint. I wish I could have seen what the hell that was because it didn't really register to me what that trap was supposed to do because it was dark. But whatever. Uh, I guess the thing is that he he kept the rats at bay, probably starved them, and so the moment they they were gonna claw. Well, you mentioned they claw his face, so that's just they could probably claw his face, ate his flesh, passed out from pain, died, blah blah blah. I think yeah. that there's a lot of there's a lot of things I want to bring up right there. The first one, when he does the little press conference after he sees the Batman and, and Jim Gordon investigating the, the crime, the thing he says to the press, "I will not rest until this killer is found." Mm-hmm. And the and, and in fact, it was the killer who found him and made sure he he would rest. <laughs> <laughs> so there's also this the murder of the mayor takes place on the 20 year anniversary of the Waynes. Mm. And remember, and then the Riddle Riddler card, he says, "Let's play a game, just me and you," which is addressed to the Batman, and also on the plaster of the newspapers that dictate that the mayor that show the mayor's reelections in over the past couple of years. No more lies is written on that. No more lies is written on his face. Initially, yeah. I was just thinking that that was a sign of him being corrupt, but when we look at the movie as a whole. It really just speaks to the level of power he has as the mayor. Well, spoiler, this riddle would be easier for Batman to solve if Batman knew that Riddler knew he's Bruce Wayne. <laughs> he would... is, is, that, is that actually how it, what happened in the movie? Uh, I, 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 to I That's how I sense it, where it's like, if he knew that he was targeting Batman specifically because he knew he was Bruce Wayne... Because we don't actually know when he finds out, but uh, spoiler, to he be, does know. <laughs> to, to be honest, I don't think he does. Yeah. Because he says he's the one we didn't get. Well, we can discuss it when we get to that portion of the movie. <laughs> All right. It's not till the end, so it'll be a minute. But Riddler says, I will keep killing until I unmask this city to show what it really is. And Batman and Gordon investigate the murder scene, collect more riddles. So Batman has a great idea to use Selina Kyle as his undercover agent. He has her wear these contacts where he can see what she sees, and he speaks to her through an earpiece. And while she's there, she spots the DA. And the whole time we're trying to figure out who's the rat, because that was... You know, the rats claw up the face, and, uh, you know, there's a rat in Gotham City who's benefiting from this, and we need to know who he is. So, one of the women mentions Annika. Selena goes after her. Batman's like, no, I don't care about her. She's like, well, I do. So, while there, she spots Carmine Falcone. Then she just abandons the mission and disconnects from Batman. And... Later on, we see Riddler take another victim. It's the DA who we just met, who was trying to sleep with Selina until she blew him off. Not literally. So, Batman visits Gordon, tells him about the rat, 
So the next day, Bruce Wayne attends the funeral for the mayor. Bruce runs into Falcone, who recants a story of uh, Thomas Wayne saving his life after he got shot. A story that we just covered a few weeks ago in The Long Halloween. So, I like that portrayal of the Waynes, that the Waynes are not these... uh, Not saying that there can't be squeaky clean billionaires, but, I mean... I would like to think Mark Cuban is, but I'm sure in the past he's done a few things that are a little questionable. I don't know. People certainly accuse Bill Gates of that. I don't know anything, but it's just, it is hard to believe that you could amass that much wealth and not bend the rules a little bit. So, in The Dark Knight, Thomas Wayne, though, he was like this great citizen who just couldn't couldn't stop helping Gotham, and I always thought that was just a tiny bit cheesy. Whereas this Thomas Wayne, he does try to help the city, but he also is kind of a dick. (laughs) So, I prefer that. So, the funeral is interrupted when the DA drives in, not on purpose, but uh, drives in with a bomb rigged to his neck, another jigsaw trap. And DA had a phone taped to his hand, Batman, or, uh, yeah, by this time Bruce Wayne has changed to Batman, Batman answers it. Riddler tells him, I'll give you three riddles, and if you can answer them in three minutes, I'll give you the code to the lock. He answers the first two. And the third riddle is basically, who's the rat? And the DA won't say, because he says, if I say that I'm dead, and Batman says, he'll blow you up, you're dead either way, so might as well tell me. He doesn't, the bomb goes off, DA is dead. R.I.P. to a real one. So... (laughs) Man, one of the interesting details I like in this movie is what led up to Bruce and Falcone's interaction. When when you see Batman inter- interrogating the Penguin at the club, the club below the club, forty from below, or no, it wasn't that. When you see him interrupt, interrogate him at the Iceberg Lounge, Selena has on these really tall boots with the long, uh, not straps, uh, shoelace. And so at the funeral service, he sees Falcone get out of the car with a woman in those similar boots. And this is just after Selena ditched him when she when he mentioned that relationship that those two share. He walks up to him thinking that he was going to see Selena, but it isn't Selena. It's in fact, I think the girl she was talking to who was saying, keep your mouth shut unless you want to die like that other girl. Yeah. Um. And I really appreciate the fact that the Riddler purposely made Phil Coulson crash the funeral because he talks about how his suffering was unrelented, how there was no mercy given, there was no debrief shown. So right when everybody's gathering to mourn their loss, he just in, he just keeps hammering down with death, destruction, and chaos. It's a nonstop assault on Gotham. I, it does make me wonder, is there any city in real life that is this corrupt from top to bottom? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm from, I'm, I'm from Chicago. Corrupt politicians and uh, yeah. Illinois in general are kind of a thing. <laughs> so I, I couldn't... I did see a documentary on um, New Orleans. Uh, Ray Nagin did a whole thing where he got in trouble with um like 
he was the mayor during Katrina, and then they reelected him, and um, he kind of used the opportunity to rebuild and as a way to line his pockets. So, of course he does. Yeah. Oh wait, what am I thinking? Detroit had Kwame Kilpatrick. Yeah, God, he was <laughs> he was one of the worst. He was immediately corrupt. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, the Batman is knocked out from that blast. He wakes up in a room full of cops. Chief tells him, you're an accessory to murder now. Which, uh, no. <laughs> he tried to help, but okay. So Batman says, hey, maybe you are. Maybe you're the rat. And he's like, what, what would you say? And uh, so they start fighting, and he's like, you know, he said he would rather die than talk to uh, talk because he was scared. Maybe it's you. And then they're accusing Batman of being the rat, and the whole fight ensues. Gordon convinces him to give him the room. Batman punches Gordon, who instructed him to, by the way. And he gets away. Later on, Batman and Gordon think that the rat could be the Penguin. So they find Penguin at a drug deal, with many corrupt Gotham cops helping. Selina arrives to steal their money also from Long Halloween, and sees uh, Annika's body, so she did not make it. Batman heads after Penguin, and we get, I won't say the best, but definitely top three for me, car chases I've seen in a movie. And what made it so great is they didn't need, like, these big fast and furious level stunts of swinging a car on a rope or whatever, a helicopter coming in and lifting a car up with a magnet. It didn't need any of that. It was just Batman's Batmobile, which I loved by the way, just going down the freeway, chasing after penguin in the rain. There was no spectacular stunts. It was just, just a great car chase scene. I loved it. (laughs) Uh, Absolutely. favorite, Favorite scene in the movie for me. Honestly, it's probably the best Batman car chase. Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed the uh, the one with Joker, by the way. Dark Knight with the, the when he, the Batmobile blows up and he switches to the bike. But So they finally capture Penguin. And he denies being the rat. This was kind of interesting because it was like a little small thing. Because Alfred's like, uh... I think I got the riddle, but uh, Riddler's Spanish isn't great. It was F- La something. U-R-L. Yeah. Alana. And I remember when I saw that, the theme, I'm like, Riddler would not make a minor mistake or a small error like that. And Penguin calls him out on it. And he's like, what, did you ever take Spanish? You know, yo hablo espanol. And he's like, it's I'm not... not He's like La. The only one here knows the difference between L and La. <laughs> yeah, he's like La, flying rat, like you, a bat. And Batman's just standing there, like, oops. I mean, it was a good scene, but it did make Batman look kind of dumb because he should have known Riddler was not going to make a mistake like that. But nitpicks. Um, yeah, that's pro- that's probably the weakest part of the the scene, but. I, th- I think it's one of the things that I appreciate about this Batman. You see other versions, and he's just this perfect guy who knows how to perfectly recreate a fingerprint from a crime scene right off the top of very little difficulty. He knows how to, he knows all these different combat styles. He never gets hit. Sometimes, at some point, these things get ridiculous. So I like it when, especially since this is just year two of him in this role. 
that he has weaknesses. He has things that he doesn't think about in the moment. It takes an outside perspective. He needs to rely, even if he doesn't want to admit it, he has to rely on other people to help him with some of these things. Because if he tried to do everything by himself, he would fail. Yeah, just blame Alfred. He's the one who decoded <laughs> it. Although, remind, have you ever seen the movie, uh, I think it's called This Is, or no, um, it's The End of Days with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't think I have. There's this, so Arnold's like a, um, he's not a cop, or maybe, I think he might be a cop. He's like this cop, it's the most ridiculous um, detective work in a movie, in, in cinema history in my opinion. So there's like a message that's like, so the the female character's name is like Christine York, and like there's like a message where it's like Christ in New York, and Arnold's like, well, what if it's not Christ in New York? What if it's a name? What if it's a name like uh like Christine York? And they're like, okay, let's start looking for Christine York. It's like, oh my god, he just decoded it and deciphered this like nothing. Like it was. So ridiculous. Uh, it's it's a great movie though because it's of how bad it is. But anyway, um, so Batman and Gordon follow the trail and it leads to the abandoned orphanage that the Waynes started, and we fight. Uh, figure out Bruce Wayne is the next victim. He'll sins of the father bit. So back at I, Wayne Manor. Oh God. I'm just saying, this is where I wanted to call attention to the fact that Abe. Ave Maria just keeps playing mm-hmm. because there's a lot of symbolism with that. It's based off of an old poem from something around, the, I believe it's called The Lady of the Lake, but it's most famously known for the religious folk as a Catholic hymn, Hail Mary. It's a, essentially a three-part prayer, Mother of Grace and all that. Uh, it's a prayer about sinners recon- being reconciled with God, which clearly is a not to the corruption in Gotham. Also, and this this might be a stretch, but in football, the Hail Mary is kind of a desperate move where you're just trying to go for as long as you can and hopefully somebody catches the ball that you that you're throwing. It's not it's not much of a plan so much as an act of desperation. Mm-hmm. And I initially thought that this was both when I when I first looked at the meaning behind both of them just double checking, I didn't miss anything. I assumed that this entire plan was an act of desperation. And while it is to a degree, it's not quite all the way. And I'll get to that once we get a little further into the movie. Just keep that in mind. Well, so Alfred gets a piece of mail and uh, he opens it up. He sees what it is kind of before. So he tosses it a little, but it's a letter bomb. So had he not tossed it, he'd be dead. But he is hospitalized. Batman meets with Selina, who tells him Falcone is her father, and they share a kiss. And Riddler then leaks uh, evidence that before Thomas was murdered, he hired Falcone to kill a journalist who was writing a story on Martha's mental illness because it would ruin his mayoral campaign. I like it. So, Bruce visits Valcone about this, who sort of backs up the Riddler's story. Bruce asks Alfred in the hospital about this, and Alfred says, Thomas only asked Falcone to threaten the journalist, not to, uh, you know, give him the old Jamal Khashoggi. But 
Falcone did that instead. And Thomas, to his credit, was going to turn himself in, but Falcone had them killed after leaving the theater uh, to protect himself. So there you go. It all makes <laughs> sense. So I really, uh, just really quickly, I really appreciate Alfred and Bruce reconciling in this moment, primarily because when this film starts, Batman is kind of dismissive of Alfred when he's not helping, explicitly helping him with any of his Batman ventures. When when we first see the two interact, he he's telling Bruce that he's bringing the finances and the uh, bankers to his house so that he can do something about his financial situation, which isn't that bad, but he's clearly just not actively doing anything about it to maintain his appearances and the legacy of his folks. So, and he says a lot of, of harsh things like, you're not my father, because one, he's not, but two, he, Batman is, Batman is an emotionally, he acts like an emotionally stunted child because he is given what happened to him in, in that alley. Yeah, and he, I was gonna say he's saying, "Oh, Wayne is your legacy," and he's like, "No, Batman is my legacy." Like I don't, he doesn't care about his last name. Right, and he, and he and in this moment, he even names. He thought he was past the fear of death or lo- the fear of losing somebody until he realized just how much Alfred meant to him as that other paternal father figure. And I really am, I'm glad they made a point of of that because I'm sure that. Because as you saw in the Arkham Origins game, if you ever played it or if you ever watched the, cu- the cutscenes from it, I did. Uh, <laughs> then you already know that there's at most times Alfred isn't always on board with a lot of this Batman stuff, especially in the beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the two coming to a reckon to a recognition a re- to reconciliation after all this is really appreciated. It's another one of the aspects of this character that I really like. Things aren't perfect from the start we don't get this perfect dynamic of you're like an uncle father's type figure to me it's like yeah i care about you but you're not my dad my dad's dead and i'm gonna do what i need to do until it's almost taken from him yep the old uh spider-man you know i'm not your father well then stop acting like it So on the roof of the police station, Batman meets with Gordon because the bat signal was off, but it was Selina who set it off, and she's attacking a dirty cop. Selina plays a voice message she got from her phone from Annika. And we learn that uh, Falcone killed Annika because she discovered he was the rat. So that's the deal. Falcone's the rat. He runs the whole city. The dirty cop's like, this mayor election, who cares? It doesn't matter. Like, Falcone's still going to be in charge. That's the de- That's the deal. And that's what I want to call back to from earlier. On the, he put up those newspapers saying no more lies because that mayor was just a figurehead. As you said, Falcone has been running the thing for 20 years. 20 years since the, uh, he basically solidified his place in power by killing the Waynes because the Waynes are who started the Gotham Renewal Fund. And it was supposed to be something to help the city, but it turned out to be a organization with no oversight, which meant anybody can really do anything they wanted to. And Batman might have noticed something like that if he was more active in the finances and the legacy of his parents in their in their appearances as what they did in their day-to-day lives instead of focusing and fixating on his obsession with Batman. It's up, 
I think any other version of Bruce would have easily noticed this irregularity, would have delved more in depth into it, and would have probably found the Riddler before the Riddler could even get started doing any of this stuff, or could easily link a lot of these two things together and and find just how corrupt Gotham is right from the jump. But his obsession with Batman isn't this great thing. As we saw earlier, he stops the guy from getting beat up by the the juggalos uh, <laughs> and the guy's saying, please don't hurt me because fear works both ways. You make pe- you make the criminals afraid of you, but you make the regular people afraid of you too. And so he's, he's in, it's, it's just, so it's really one of those things where he keeps coming back. <laughs> it's so many things to say about it, honestly. Well, Selena's going after Falcone. She tries to kill him, but is unsuccessful. Batman saves her. They arrest Falcone. Penguin comes down, calls him a rat, and suddenly Falcone is shot by the Riddler with a sniper rifle. Police track down Riddler at a coffee shop. He's got the the gimmick where they put the shape in your foam of a question mark. Turns out he's a forensic accountant named Edward Nashton. Thank God I hated the name Edward Dingma. I thought that was so stupid and on the nose. As 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 a little uh as a goofy criminal name, it's fine, but if you're gonna take this serious if you're gonna take the serious rat, you obviously can't do that. No. <laughs> um by the way, I don't know how I have not mentioned it yet, but uh I have to shout out um I have to shout out uh, Corey Michael Smith, who played Riddler in the show Gotham. Because, much like Corey Michael Smith, um, he, Brutus Creed, the wrestler, and myself all went to the same college, Otterbein. (laughs) Oh! Yeah. How about that? (laughs) And, uh... Oh god, what's his name? Forty from the show You, the brother of the He was in season two. I don't know. He went there too. Big acting school. Big acting and pro wrestling and podcasting school. So <laughs> But yeah, uh Gotham, that was a fun show. Anyway, uh they um Yeah, so Riddler has uh been tracked down at a coffee shop. He is Edward Nashton. He just looks like a normal dude. He's uh, the least threatening person you could imagine. And uh, they find Nashton's hideout and read his journal, which reads like a serial killer manifesto. They also read his computer. He's posted a lot on the uh, the dark web, I guess. He's amassed 500 followers. And Riddler requests to speak with Batman at the prison. And Riddler shows up, calls Batman Bruce Wayne. And I love the way Robert Pattinson tried to no-sell it, but you could tell he's like, damn, this guy. <laughs> he he knew. And Riddler says, you know, I was an orphan. And Batman says, uh, you know, you're too old to be an orphan. And Riddler says, no, you can be 100 and be an orphan. No, that's a Curb Your Enthusiasm joke. Anyway, <laughs> uh, after Thomas died, everyone forgot about us orphans and only cared about Bruce Wayne. Like, how's he doing? The billionaire orphan. And it's like, you know, that is 100% true. That is exactly how the media would, would portray it if this actually happened. Um, they wouldn't care about the orphanage that was funded by the Waynes that is now going to close. They would just care about 
oh, this poor, you know, nine-year-old kid's going to grow up without parents, even though his, you know, he'll be well taken care of, so. Okay, this is where I want to double check. You, you, this is why I don't think he knew that Bruce was uh, Batman. I think it might have been an idea that stuck, that struck a chord with him at the time. But he said he's the one we didn't get, which really would insinuate that he thought this Batman was some completely different person who had similar motives of striking at the system. But really probably just thought his motives weren't extreme enough. And you're working with police, you're working with police that aren't corrupt. So good for you. But at the end of the day, that's not enough to take down the system. So I'm just going to take it down by exposing it and then doing all the other things. Now, I appreciate this conversation. This whole monologue is really good. Because, like you said, the jealousy of Bruce Wayne makes perfect sense. A guy who grew up doing drugs, living in a rat, uh, rat-infested orphanage with babies dying in the winter, would definitely be upset at somebody who lost their parents in an alley, but got kept all their money, gets to live in the high-rise, has a support system with the probably friends of the family, the butler, any other living relatives, and God knows how, even if he yeah. has nothing else to his name, he's got the money, for Christ's sakes. And he says something, because he clearly did this to impress the Batman, because he says, you show me that all it takes is fear and focused violence. And I, and I was saying earlier, this is one of the elements that all three of them share, Batman, Falcone, and Riddler. Batman uses, obviously uses fear and, and violence to... Get to seek his vengeance, but and while while he says he's vengeance, what he really wants deep deep down is justice to seek to prevent people from getting hurt the same way he was hurt, and more importantly to stop those who were enacting that hurt. With Falcone, he just really wants control, and that control led to him just getting power through that fear and focused violence, fear that Thomas Wayne would have would have to answer to him now because he did a favor for him and he can claim that Thomas Wayne did the, asked asked him or be, uh, made him do that uh fear that anybody who turned who turned on Falcone and said one thing or said a little a little too much would end up dead as we saw with Annika and with the Riddler there's really no other thing except he wants except vengeance because he's jealous of what happened to him uh, Bruce Wayne, he's he's mad about how his life turned out and how he got started and how he barely survived. And so he's just striking back at the system in the most violent and destructive way possible. Yeah, he calls, uh, he says, you know, we're a good team and I killed Falcone and, uh, you know, you do a lot of the work. I can't because I'm not as strong as you, but we're, we're a great team. And um, Batman rejects his offer. And uh, Riddler freaks out, to say the least. <laughs> he says, you know, we were safe here and we could watch it all together. And he's like, watch what? And then Riddler says, you can't stop what's coming. And then he starts singing Ave Maria. <laughs> so I think what I really... Oh, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll let you go a little bit further before I say it. It'll, it'll be more effective then. Well, Batman goes back to the apartment, rips up the carpet, since that was the first murder weapon. And they find the Riddler's videos, and Riddler tells his followers that Mayor-elect Bella Rial promised real change, but we all know she won't, because 
At the time when these videos were recorded, Falcone was still alive, and he's still the mayor, if, and if, you know, essentially. And he's like, look, I have parked seven vans along the seawall. So, Gotham City, like, as big as New York, but also below sea level, like New Orleans, apparently? I don't know. So, he's like, and on election night, they will all go boom. And then... The floods will make evacuation impossible. People will gather at Gotham Square Garden. Clearly MSG. And he's like... Yeah, they didn't even try with that one. Yeah. <laughs> it was not even a subtle hint. But it, it did remind me of uh, of Katrina, because everybody did go to the Superdome. So he's right. And he's like, people will gather there, and that's where you guys will come in. He's like, I've already been captured, but that's okay. Because you know what? Um, you'll all be armed, and they're in the in the rafters. I did love that they were in the comments. I don't know if you paused and read some, but they're like, yeah, the Army Surplus Store has these masks. It's like, didn't the guy who runs that notice, like, hey, all these weirdos are buying the same mask. That's a little strange. The same but, mask, and yeah. the same vest, and the yeah. same holster, and the same bullet. They probably can get the bullets from there, but it's like, shouldn't you call the police about something like that? Yeah, yeah a little weird. So, I, I did not feel bad for Bella Real. She's an idiot. She, They're like, you can't go out there. And she's like, no, if I am if I don't, then it'll show that I'm afraid. And I'm not. I'm not going to be like everyone else. I'm going to stand up to the bullies. Walks out on stage, immediately shot. <laughs> I'm a I'm a Cobain here to describe uh, that. Admirable, but mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> she had good intentions, but it's like... If there's a terrorist threat, maybe take it seriously. And by the way, the last mayor was murdered, so it's more than a threat. So really quickly, and, I, yeah. I just want to point out, Riddler. I, I initially said that the the hit, that this plan of Riddler's was a hail mary, and it was, but not all the way because Riddler knew that he would eventually be caught because he couldn't keep this up forever, and that eventually he probably would make a mistake or some clue would lead, lead to his arrest. So he made his captors deliver him to salvation and safety while they had to still deal with the after effects of him flooding Gotham. A master, it's honestly a master plan had Batman not got involved. Well, we get the climax here. So Batman comes in, attacks the Riddler goons. One of the Riddler goons is about to shoot Batman when Selina Kyle makes the save. The arena floods... All of the Riddler goons are dispatched. They don't pose a huge threat, but they're poorly trained, you know, weird militia people. So, <laughs> I don't know what Riddler was expecting. They did they did pop the mayor, so they, kill, uh, they did not kill her, but they almost did. Well, the thing is, they had, they had, I think in one shot, you could see at least 100 or maybe 200 bullets. So, clearly their goal was just, hey, we're just going to keep firing. We're going to hit something. Yeah. So um, the arena floods, and Batman works on saving as many people as he can. Uh, my friend described this as Red Cross Batman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we get a not po a scene that you would think would be in the post credits, but it is not. Uh, it is a pre post credit scene. Oh God! It, this takes place. Uh, so Riddler is watching TV at the Arkham Asylum. Which, by the way, I did like that the Arkhams, uh, the Arkhams and the Waynes were like the two main families back in the day. 
So he befriends another inmate who we see is the Joker. And a couple things with this. So there is a deleted scene. I'm sure we've all seen it by now. If you haven't, it's on YouTube. Where Batman pulls, much like in uh, last, uh, not last Halloween, uh, longest Halloween, um, he, um, you know, he goes and questions Calendar Man about like, hey, what do you think about this serial killer? He's kind of like you. So Batman did the same with Joker and they cut that scene. By the way, um, Joker was played by a guy we just covered a couple weeks ago, Barry Cogan, as Druig from Eternals. So that is Joker. Um, I will say with this, I expected Joker. I'm glad that he's not rumored for the sequel. Apparently, you know, I'm guessing they'll pop up in the third. At this point, I was Jokered out. I didn't need another Joker. We had seen... You know, Heath Ledger's. We had just seen Jared Leto. We had just seen um, um, Joker, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. It's like, okay, enough of the Jokers. So now we got a new one. So I'm glad that, you know, Riddler and Joker are going to stay locked up for at least the sequel. I'm guessing in the pre-post-credit scene, they'll escape Arkham. Just a guess. I don't know. But... Yeah, uh, that's probably the the villain team up for Batman three if there is one would be my guess. I'm going to be perfectly I'm going to be perfectly honest here. I didn't. This is technically slightly more. It's it's really grasping at straws either way. This is basically pausing the movie to tell us, hey, guess what happens next time on the Batman. <laughs> I didn't like. It's way better than when. Batman v Superman paused the movie so Wonder Woman can watch a bunch of videos that didn't impact a damn thing about what was happening in that specific film. And like I said, it's done better. It's still bad. They need to stop doing this. You want to do stuff like this? Put it in a post-credit scene. Something we can watch if we want to. It's not required to get the full understanding of the picture. I'm really tired of people doing this. The Avengers did it in 2014 when Thor has this image of what looks like a, a goddamn Infinity Gauntlet, Wonder Woman with the aforementioned scene, I said Zack Snyder's Justice League of all the goddamn nightmare sequences, and now they're doing it here. Stop. Not a fan. Well, yeah, uh, I, and by the way, I can't really... There was The sample size was too small to judge how the Joker was, so... We'll see. But yeah, I'm, I'm very kind of jokered out. I w- I'm glad that they're at least holding him off for the next one. But yeah. anyway, cut to Batman, who is talking to Selina, who is leaving town to go upstate in Bloodhaven. What a stupid name for a city. <laughs> anyway, she tells him he's spoken for and that the city will kill him one day. And then she rides off. I would assume out of the trilogy. I would be surprised if we see her anymore. Yeah, since I wouldn't want. She probably shouldn't even come back until the third one, most likely. If there's anything, if she comes back. But yeah, I really appreciate that Batman, Batman leading people to safety, uh, risking his life to do so. Because when he cut, there was a large electrical unit that was getting ready to fry everybody in that water, which was hundreds of people, most likely. 
And he risks his life, he survives, and he leads other people to safety. And then he recognizes and reconciles with himself that his path of vengeance was incorrect because in the earlier scene when Selena saves him, a goon nearly tries to kill her. And when he Batman stops him, and when Gordon asks, who are you? He says, I'm vengeance, which is this famous saying that Batman had said in this movie. It's also what even Catwoman calls him throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. So he recognized that people need hope and that he needs to become a greater symbol. And I really appreciate this because we really don't really see a critical, a movie this critical about Batman's message and what he represents. The Dark Knight, and to a lesser extent, The Dark Knight Returns are probably the only movies that have done it, but they did that in more so different ways because the Joker in The Dark Knight was doing so because essentially he was doing it to challenge uh, it was more so a challenge to Batman. It was specifically a call out. With uh, with Bane uh, actually no, I would say the Dark Knight it really just talked about the impact of the symbol. Bane didn't really come at Batman as a symbol. So it was really only the Dark Knight that really taps into this. But in this movie specifically it's asking why it's asking the important question. It's or essentially telling us the why is just as important. If you if you if you uh if you help an old lady across the street, yeah, you did a good thing, but if you helped an old lady across the street because you knew you were gonna get ten million dollars right after it, why you did it is kind of kind of relevant. It doesn't necessarily mean you're not having a, a positive impact by doing said thing, but there's an underlying motive, and it should be addressed, especially if it's malicious and harmful. And in Batman's case, it absolutely is. Well, it is time to grade. I would give this a, I guess not a solid. Well, yeah, whatever. Solid eight and a half. I really liked it. It's to me, it's just as good as Batman Begins. When Batman Begins was over, you know, I was excited to see what was coming with this. I'm also excited. It's different enough from The Dark Knight, even though they both take place in the universe of... uh, How do I put this? Uh, Everything is improbable, but not impossible. So again, there's not going to be any Poison Ivies or Killer Crocs showing up. So both those universes have that in common. But this was focused more on the detective stuff. So this was different enough from Dark Knight that even though it's in the same type of universe, it's different enough that it can stand on its own as its own unique trilogy. Uh, the Bruce Waynes are different. The villains are, you know, similar-ish. I mean, Riddler could have fit in a Dark Knight movie, but um, it it was he fits in better as a, you know, detective type of uh, movie. So I'm going to go eight and a half. Very good. The cinematography in this movie is outstanding. I really like the way they play with your visual perspective. Everything isn't always in focus. And it, it is a, it's an intentional thing by the videographer, by the cinematographer and the director to make you focus on one thing, maybe not pay so, so much attention to the other. Or for those little details, like in the opening scene, the Riddler kills the or knocks out the mayor with the tucker. It, it flips over and splat, splatters the blood onto the floor. 
We later see Batman look at that splatter on the floor, recognizing it's separate from everything else. The the blue, the deep blues, the orange, the red, all these colors really pop. It, it's the movie is shot beautifully. The score is really good. Oh yeah, Nirvana. We didn't even talk about Nirvana. My goodness. <laughs> From from the movie, from the songs that were made specifically for this movie, and the songs that they used, this is a good a sign of a great movie is if you can take a song that's already known and make it immensely more pop more popular. And like you just said, the Batman absolutely did that because I've seen so many TikTok videos, YouTube reviews, and everything dealing with Batman playing this music, recreating it and tr- recreating it and the Batman theme in video games and everything else. So really effective from that standpoint. The action scenes, they're really good. Not as flat. The last action scene in particular is probably some of the best Batman work. It feels a lot like, it feels the closest to the Arkham uh, style since Batman versus Superman, which is to give credit to that movie because the action in that movie, specifically for Batman, was really good. But Matt Reeves does it in that more realistic way, as you could say, or rather he does it in a more flashy way with the deep changes in the colors. Everything, everything isn't always the same. You don't even always see Batman, like with the hallway. You just see the flashes from the muzzle of the gun because the power's out. Really imaginative storytelling here and just visual storytelling in and of itself. Characters need not be explained. We've already gushed about them for the past uh, couple of minutes. The only thing I really don't like is there are some scenes in this realistic movie that don't make any sense. Why is Batman standing so close to a bomb? He he puts his hands up and he somehow makes it without any scars or any burns. If he sh- if he flicked his cape the other way and the explosion propelled him, I could hear that and I could understand that as a potential uh, way of him protecting himself. How come Batman doesn't have any scars or any damage from, rather, any significant damage from him t- escaping the Gotham Police Department, crashing out like he does? And then, honestly, the length of this movie can get at you a little bit. And then, of course, the Joker and the Riddler scene. But those are relatively minor compared to all the great things this movie does. So I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10. All right. Well, it's uh, yeah. Well, we got plenty of DC coming up uh, down the run, down the line. So I'll be sure to keep you in mind for that. I think the next one is not gonna be until well, there's DC League of Super Pets, but uh, I assume you mean more like a Black Adam. But but well, next, I've got... <laughs> well, given given what's happening with the Rock right now, I definitely got some things to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, next week, you know, we we were we were lucky. I mean, we did uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, if you recall. We did Enter the Spider-Verse. That dropped the same week that you know the the sequel dropped. So it was very fortunate, and that 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 podcast had had more than normal downloads because I think people were wanting to refresh themselves on uh, the Spider-Verse movie. Well, fortune shines again, as next week is Morbius, which you can see on Netflix. And it is important because it's the same week 
that Madden Web comes out. And I, because I couldn't plan this, believe me, I'm not that smart. I toyed with the idea. I, I even told you I wanted to see the movie because I wanted to see if it really was going to be as bad as it looks. But now that it's coming out the week that Morbius drops, for the listeners, I have to. I have to throw in a small bonus review of Madam Web next week. So it's kind of a two-parter, although eventually we'll get to Madam Web down the road. I mean, she's she's going to be in the... Uh, she's already on the list, too. She, this was episode 192. Madam Web will be episode 219. So she's a ways away, but we'll get to her. But you get a really? sneak peek of the of the Madam Web uh, next week when I also review Morbius, another Joker, Jared Leto. So it all comes around full circle. Yeah, I love the fact that she fired her agent after this after this movie. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure a lot of these people get contracted into these movies because they're being told <laughs> they're going to be in a Marvel movie, and they think, oh yeah, cool, I love the MCU, let's do that. Yeah. And then they get then they get the script. What do you mean, Sony? I thought, this, I thought Disney owned this. Well, yeah. By the way, what a great, not to put myself over, but what a great prediction from me last week when I was like, they need to do Prowler, and now it looks like Donald Glover is basically kind of sort of said, yeah, I'll be Prowler, and I don't know. I I hope that they pull, they, they still, uh, him and Scorpion, they teased it in Homecoming, and we never, never followed up. Uh, Fisk, Fisk needs henchmen. It's an easy, it's an easy, it's an easy win. Just, just, yeah, just put him yeah. in there. Make Prowler the henchman that turns face, and make Scorpion the henchman that gets killed. Easy. Yeah, that works. Yeah, but next week is uh, Morbius. I suspect you'll probably be busy not watching Morbius, <laughs> washing your hair. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, more. He can, he can more. He can go morb himself. <laughs> I did not. I'm not expecting a guest for next week, but. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I the the with the Madam Web, I'm like, man, I hate that this all fit together. But 2024, the year of Sony, <laughs> somehow. Let's actually let's make a quick prediction. Will Deadpool three forget budgets, just focus on box office? Will Madam Web, Craven, and Venom three, when you combine those box offices, will it be greater than Deadpool threes? Okay, so Madam Web is probably going to make, let's say, a hundred million at at minimum, at, at maximum probably. I, yeah, I'd say at best. <laughs> if that movie makes three hundred million dollars, I'm going to be shocked. Venom. Those movies do pretty good. The last one made like eight hundred million or something. Uh, well, the, the first one made a lot. The second one there was a pretty sizable drop off, but it was profitable. Okay, then I'll say that Venom three is gonna make probably three to five hundred ish. Craven is not gonna make any money. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I, Craven's a I tough think, one. I think Adam. I think Madam Web's gonna bomb the hardest. But I think Craven ain't gonna be that much far off from it, because right off the bat, you have you have the most famous animal hunter in Marvel Comics, being a PETA uh, animal lover, who who channels these animal spirits or whatever nonsense I just saw in this goddamn trailer. These people need to stop making these. 
I'm convinced this is a conspiracy theory to ruin comic book movies so they can buy some of these properties or something. <laughs> I have no idea why they continue to make this garbage. But yeah, Deadpool, if they... God damn it. it will, it's going to be hard for them to... It's going to be hard for them to mess this up. And I'm saying that, and I'm praying I'm not going to eat my words in a couple of months. Yeah, I'm going to say... Deadpool's box office. I don't know. The trailer drops uh, Super Bowl Sunday, so I'll have to see. I, man, I think Deadpool three can beat all three. I really do. I if don't it know. doesn't, we are. If it, it doesn't, I will unless, just officially confirm superhero fatigue. Yeah, Deadpool three to me is the one that's like okay. You know, I I get why the others. You know, Marvel's sure. I get why that didn't pull in. Ant-Man 3, I'm not a surprise, but I get it. Guardians 3 did well, but it's like the other, and then uh, even uh, Black Panther 2 was, it did well, but it kind of underperformed what people were hoping, I think. So it's like Deadpool 3 is really the one that's got to, they got to hit the home run with that. I would say anything less than 800 million would be a disappointment, I think. We'll see. Trailer drops. I'll be excited to see it. Um, but yeah, I'll, uh, you know what? I'll even throw in the trailer reaction in Morbius. So you, there's a lot to look forward to next week. The big, it's a big year for Sony, um, which is great if you love that, but not as big on it. Uh, let me get out of here with a quote. This is from the Riddler. <clears throat> Oh, you're really not as smart as I thought you were. I'll take you down.